This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi folks, I'm Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast. You're listening to every step along the way and enjoy every second of it. Hello all and welcome back to your latest episode of Every Step Along The Way. So another trip down to Millwall, defeat, we'll tick that. Manager needed a win, tick that box. Striker not scored for his new club, needed a goal, yep, tick that box. It's it's nice to see, Mike, that even with all this turnover of staff and players and management and all sorts, We've not lost our identity and our traits as a club. <laughs> oh, no, we're great, aren't we? I won't quite call it charity, but it's borderline. Um, yeah, as you said, of all managers who needed a break, well, there you go. We, we've kind of done it. So, yeah, it's just sod's law. It's a disappointing result, mate, but I'm sure we'll we'll get into it. Yeah, and to get straight into it... The team news was quite surprising, wasn't it? He stuck with the five at the back. Well, three at the back, they'll say, when they were with the wing backs um, that he deployed the weekend before. So, yeah, it was um, interesting that we didn't see it. It was flipped to about four straight away, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we all kind of hoped we'd just go there attacking. And I think one thing that, I mean, actually, something I've I've kind of looked up before we started recording, actually, was some of the comments that Alex him, himself had actually come out with. Um, and he kind of gives it away himself. I, I was going to give you my thoughts, but I think it's exactly the same. So he basically said, if you base it on the second half, it looks as though it won't take long. The reason I kept the same shape from last from the last game was I was worried we were having to change so many players to try and change shape. Uh, I was concerned how quickly they could bed in and how quickly they can adapt. But on the evidence of the second half, I think the answer was there. So there's your answer. And exactly what I thought, was, what my opinion would have been, to be honest, is he probably didn't want to embed so many players and didn't maybe trust them to just go in there and, and go straight 4-3-3. Um, clearly, I think they've proven, especially that second half, proven that they are very capable. And even, given even more time, it'll be more effective. But uh, maybe, I don't know, that it's the uncertainty of where maybe the, the kind of players' strengths are. Uh, I think you can probably 
understand that uh, and maybe a little bit of I don't know, maybe he'll look back and think he should have just trusted his players a little bit more. Uh, it's easy to say in hindsight. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't have necessarily gone with the team that he did, um, but I can understand where where he was coming from. I just think he made a little bit of a mistake on this one, I think. It's, it's good as well that he's come out and explained the thinking behind it so that you 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 understand the reasons why, because I think that that's going to help sort of get get that bond between the manager and the fans and keep it going into because if if he just bats it away like so many managers do, so many state managers have done past and you know, in the past and stuff and you know, you don't your fans, you don't need to know what I'm thinking and the re- my reasoning it is what it is, get up you know, that sort of attitude. I think fans then get more disgruntled whereas at least now I like say rather than coming on here ranting what a mistake why did he go far in the back that's ridiculous you can go oh alright okay I understand that yeah I can see where he's coming from that's fair enough still think it was an error but yeah I can see the thinking behind it yeah exactly that and I think one one thing that those comments say to me Dan is that is the end now of three at the back or five at the back <laughs> he, he's almost admitted it without saying it there has he really yeah. so I think it's I think it's for the best. I mean, there's two games in a row now where it simply hasn't worked. Um, somebody made a good comment. We'll come to people's comments in a minute, but someone made a very good comment that I saw online earlier on. Let's not set up worrying about the opposition. Let's set up in the way that we want to set up and let them worry about us. I think that is a great comment. I can't remember who said it, but I think it's true. Like We can see the strength in this team and the ability in this team. Let's go on the front foot into every game. Because Southampton, for example, or Leicester, they're not going to set up worrying about the opposition. They're going to set up thinking, right, this is our best team. This is our best formation. Okay, we're going to have to look out for this guy and this guy. But they're not going to change their formation every week just to... just to fit that um, that opposition, so I think maybe again a bit of trust, bit of belief. I think that will change because if if anything, if that second half says anything to me, it was this is pretty much what our team is probably going to be, bar a couple of additions maybe. Yeah, indeed, and I think as well that looking at that team, you're saying we started with time and playing left wing, um, mm. started with Thompson as the holding midfielder. Were those two sort of um, two starters, if you like, a bit of a surprise to you as well? Did you think that? I mean, what did you do with Thompson in particular? Because I mean, that's been quite a debate anti post match, you know, around uh, Ben Pearson's position within the, the squad and the side. Uh, obviously, he's now been benched for for two games in a row. I mean, I've got my own thoughts, but well, what are yours first of all? So. I get why Thompson stayed in. He had a decent game in it, you know, previously. So, again, you can justify him staying in there, but it also justified to me what the same comments made last week are Thompson never was and never will be good enough to be a starter in this team. Absolutely not. And I think that just epitomised it again. Thompson comes in, has one good game. You know, it, basically the manager's gone, oh, show me you can do it again. And he's shown that he can't. So, Pearson, for me, as I said last week, will always get over... Thompson any day it's not even close for me so yeah I was disappointed to see Pearson not being there he does so much more than just you know protecting the front four he he is all over the place he puts pressure on Um, Thompson does none of it so I'm glad to say that I think again the next what how many days until the end of the transfer window so by the time this goes out it'll be five days 
if we haven't brought another defensive midfielder in, I'll be extremely surprised because Pearson, as good as he is as well, cannot play an entire season. And the amount of yellow cards that have been dished out absolutely will not make it through this year without a red card until the end. But uh, we, we need a backup desperately. In terms of, I guess, timing, just to jump ahead a little bit and then I'll let you say your piece. Shame about timing. I think me and you are both fans of, of Josh, uh, to be honest. Um the problem with him is that pre-injury, he was pretty solid. He was good at attacking. We were just missing that striker to get on the end of some of his really good crosses. Since he's come back from injury, I don't know what's wrong with him, but he's he's got no presence. He's invisible in games. He, you know, he's leaving gaps. I don't know what the hell's happened to him, Dan, but... The fact that he's a you know one of the people rumored to to be maybe going out, um, I don't think many people will be sad to see him go. But it's a shame. Josh understood, understandably, really you know can start, but when we go four at the back, he's going to choose Stevens every single time over time and right now. So don't be surprised to not see Josh in Stoke shirts again. Yeah, I mean, what a surprise that is for people. You know, when Stevens came in and. And people were sort of lambasting him, really, and what a pointless signing. And, uh, you know, it'll just be just be emergency cover for, for timing. And the tables were well and truly turned, haven't they, in that battle for the, for the left-back spot? Yeah, they have. And, you know, I'll add, I'll add myself into that. I mean, and that's purely because I didn't know anything about Stevens, but I knew a lot about Josh, and we'd seen what Josh was capable of. So... Yeah, I think it's a little bit like, um, probably a bit like Henry on the other side. Like, their attacking prowess is clear to see. Their defensive capabilities are worrying. And we won't go into Henry right now, but I think that's the thing with Josh. Again, he's never been strong in that defensive department for me. And he's, if we're playing four at the back, we can't be bombing forward every five minutes. We're not playing wing-back formations. We need more solidity in the full-back positions, um, both maybe first-teamers and uh, kind of back-up as well. So, yeah, as I say, it's a shame, Dan, but probably the end of Josh timing now. Yeah, as, as good as timing and Hoover are going forward, they aren't, you know, 2019's Trent Alexander-Arnold and uh, Andy Robertson are they at Liverpool. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not quite. They bomb forward in a back four and uh, we also didn't have Virgil van Dijk at centre-half. It's <laughs> Ben Wilmot and Matt McNally are. <laughs> but anyway, enough of the Liverpool talk. Back to the Stoke. Um, yeah, Ben Pearson. I would say, I mean, there's been a, like, say, a lot of chatter and I've sort of made this point. I don't know if obviously on a sort of year forum and stuff like that, I wonder whether it um, makes it vocally maybe gets the point across better. But Ben Pearson, to me, he, he obviously there was a reason why he was dropped against um, against Watford, wasn't there? When we won 1 0. Yeah. And uh, Jordan Thompson came in, he's had a cracking game. So if you bring Ben Pearson back in for tomorrow, that sends a message to Jordan Thompson that no matter what you do, you do not play. And it also sends a message to Ben Pearson that whatever reason it was that he was that he was dropped, it doesn't matter because if I try and make a point with you, I'm only going to do it for one game and I'm going to bring you back in. Because Jordan Thompson's come in, had a really good game, and then Ben Pearson's then back in the side the week after. So Ben Pearson walks away from that thinking... That's all right. 
if it was a disciplinary issue, I don't know if he'd been late for training twice this week, or uh, if he'd been just wandering around not putting the effort in, or or you know if it was just simply his, his performance at Ipswich merited dropping. Whatever the reason was, I have no idea. I'm, you know, I'm not going to speculate on the reason for it, but there will have been a reason. And the the discipline part of it loses its effect if the player who comes and replaces you has a great game, but you still go straight back in the side after. Exactly. If Jordan Thompson had had a mare, then Ben Pearson could have looked at the manager with a bit of a smug grin and said, well, I think you best put me back in the team, boss. <laughs> but he didn't, did he? He had a good game. So it was a case of, oh, well, you're out the team for your own... You're out the team because A, B or C, whatever reason, whatever it was, and that's your own fault. So you will wait until you deserve to be back in that side. And that was when this guy here has a stinker. As it turned out, they only had to wait four to five minutes. But there we go. I mean, you you saw the game on a stream, didn't you, Dan, I think? <laughs> an official stream. You, you saw it on an official stream. Um, I, I mean, it, my kind of opinion of the game, by the way... Uh, I thought the first 10 minutes we actually sounded like we were pretty decent. The formation they were expecting from us, Dan, I think they were expecting us to go 4-3-3. And when we turned out with five at the back, I don't think they were quite expecting that. So it was almost like once they got used to it, um, it kind of, they got too comfortable and then we didn't find a way to penetrate. So, yeah, I thought that first 10 minutes was was a bit naff. I think, Vid- was it the first half that Vidigal should have scored? I'm trying yeah, to remember now. He should have put us 1-0 up in... Uh, I say should have. Um, Josh Lenz played an absolute beauty of a ball the outside of his foot between the full-back, uh, the right-back and the centre-half. Um, bent it sort of round the gap and then go bending away from goal perfectly for Josh Tyman to run onto it. Uh, Tyman's got to the byline, just managed to keep it in play and he's pulled it back. And as Vidigal swung a boot at it six yards out just to sort of side foot it in, the defenders slid across and they've sort of hit the ball together at the same time. His shot was sort of blocked on impact, if you like. Um, Balls popped up, fell to Loren about 14 yards out and he's he's sort of bobbling and bouncing and he's had to try and sort of just guide it and he's just just, lifted it over the bar, um, unfortunately. So, yeah, that was the best chance that we had in the first 10 and as it turned out the, the, the first half one I don't know how many times you've seen back there first goal Dan I, I, I looked at this I did in slow motion on YouTube I literally uh, slowed the speed down because I wanted to see the the movement of our defenders and I'm going to be very honest it was a absolutely bang I'm trying, I'm trying to swear here it was shocking defending let's put it that way um, did, did you manage to see that, that back a couple of times I'll tell you what I've got written down for the goal. Well, you tell yeah. me if that's what you saw. Millwall sort of took control after the 10 minutes, didn't they? I think what seemed to happen was there was a pass from Hoover out on the wing, just popped the ball into the middle of the middle of the park, straight to, I think it was Tom Bradshaw. And then he sort of run at the defence and, and nearly scored. And from that moment, we seemed to just go flat. And they seemed to get the chin up like, oh, well, we, you know, this is it now. They built from there, so it's amazing how the game can turn on this one pass, doing one poor pass, and the game can just flip. Anyway, the goal. So obviously, it's the so balls come in and it. Nisbet scored. Lorenz marking him. He's quite tight to him. He's you know, he's got to. He's, you know, probably got a yard between him enough to you know, try and get in front and head the ball if it comes in. Bradshaw's just behind. He's being marked by Hoover. 
next thing. Bradshaw runs between Loren and Nisbet and goes in front. Hoover doesn't follow, well, sort of half follows him, but in the process just runs into Nisbet, which seemingly just shoves him half a yard like away from Loren, the ball dropped into him. He's got then got space. He's got a bit of time, and he just finishes. And it's like, okay, <laughs> what's what happened then? Um, so yeah, it seems to be that, like I say, that the run from the run from Bradshaw, Hoover's then. I think the, the run from Bradshaw's put the space between Loren and Nisbet. Hoover's then run into Nisbet, like I say, and then sort of. Not massively, but just caused a bit of a distraction more than anything, I think. And Nisbet's then found himself half a yard across and unable to, to control and put it away. Um, yeah, I think that's a pretty good explanation of it, to be honest. I think the only other thing I probably picked out is I thought um, Wesley was very static uh, when I look back at it. Um, he kind of stand still <laughs> for half of it anyway there was there was three of them I think it was Wesley Wren and, and Thompson I think it might have been um, all putting in like to be honest I thought quite half arse tackles or, or literally standing around I think what you pretty much said was a good summary of it but um, I just I just think it was a really really poor goal to, to concede I mean I don't know what it is with us this season with set pieces whether it's a blinking throw in or you know corner whatever it is we just don't seem to be able to deal with them it's either the first ball or it's like a flick on that you know just scrambles around in the box uh, you know it's several times and I said to you before it's is it any coincidence that Josh Lorenz, the man who was always there, ran in front of the player that puts it in the net? I'm not saying it's all his fault, but it's time and time again. So I just think we need to move Josh out of the way because he's, something's going on in, in the middle of that uh, box to always be him who's in front of them. So I, I would like to see you know something happen with our set pieces. We need to... I, I don't know. I don't. Know. I'm not, not sure who's actually in charge of our set pieces at at uh, training anymore. There's too many bloody coaches these days. But I really hope that we are working on them in training. Uh, it's a. It's just a poor showing. If if we don't concede that, I genuinely think we go on and win that game, because I think we'd go into the half nil nil. We'd come back out. We'd be able to make these attacking changes. They may come at us a little bit more. They won't be sitting back or, you know, trying to defend a lead. I think they would have to come out at us, and then I think with the quality that we've got, we would end up picking them off. So I just think it's it's again we talked about fine margins. Uh, Vidigal scored a fine margin, obviously to win us the game against Watford, and they've done it again with their fine margin, which just shows what this championship's all about. You need to take the chances when you get them. And Vidigal in the second half, I think he was um, was it Wesley who put him through and he I think he just puts it over the bar of probably the easiest chance he's had since he's been here and he skies one yeah I mean you talk about the changes and they're at half time and I suppose the big question is if that is nil nil half time does he make four subs no, no, he doesn't make four subs. I still think, though, he would have probably brought on uh, Berger. I think the thing that one would have happened either way, um, and probably brought on Pearson as well. Because I think if you have Pearson coming in again, it's a bit more solid, which allows the likes of Berger and and whoever to to kind of carry on. So no, he would have made four, uh, which you know all credit to him for again admitting crash they got this one wrong. Uh, no, no issues there. But I don't think he makes four subs now. No, and those four subs were Laurie, Larice for Hoover, 
um, Peyton coming for Thompson, Berger coming for Loren, and Josh Tyron came. Uh, Josh Tyron went off, and Tyrese Campbell made his first appearance of the season. So, three players there who we haven't yet seen this season, and then obviously the much anticipated return of Ben Pearson <laughs> uh, back onto the pitch after the first half. But yeah, it seemed to it just seemed to click, didn't it? To click completely different game. You have Millwall's tactics maybe changed. Uh, we we know how Rowett sort of likes to sort of protect and sit on it, sit on a, a goal lead. But yeah, we um I was impressed with Campbell. I thought he was lively. He got three shots away. I think he hit the post, didn't he, right at the end as well? Yeah. Um Obviously, Larice seemed to have, you know, he, he, he getting up and down, and he, he looks solid enough. He looks his good option. Obviously, he's played further back than we were probably imagining him, or probably he imagined playing for his debut. I, uh, you know, I expect, and uh, yeah, I'd like to see him get a bit of a role further forward, see what he can do. Pearson came on and just looked solid. He, he didn't look. I mean, he got an early booking and managed to just sort of, you know, toe the line with that. Um, just kept things ticking over. You know, it was a bit of a different job to to t- a team who were coming at them. He just had to keep the ball moving. I think he didn't see more than anything. Um, it's, you know, spread it around pretty well. And as for Berger, I think he he looks a, a top class midfielder for this division on on that first forty five minutes. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, you know Tyrese did did really well uh, coming in. I mean, on, on another day, yeah, that header comes off the inside of the post and goes in. Uh, you're right, Berger was all over the place. I think I saw um, one of the stats on on Twitter now about Berger. Actually, I think someone called Adam posted him. Forty five minutes played, seventy two percent pass accuracy, two shots, one hundred percent successful dribbles, two out of three accurate long balls, three out of five tackles won, five recoveries, seven out of nine ground jewels won, three out of five aerial jewels. One and four passes into the final third. It's not a bad forty-five minute stats that Dan for a man who loves his stats. Uh, not not bad at all. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad debut, is it, in English football? No, and it's, he hasn't even had a training game. I don't think so. Um, again, no arguments on him. I think it's going to be just really interesting to see where he fits into this because again we've mentioned about you know Josh Theren being replaced potentially for him yeah I can see that I don't think Josh has had a an amazing start to this season I think he's found it difficult to to find his place I don't know if there's a bloody captain curse or something going on but he's definitely been struggling Dan um what was kind of the the main thoughts around um, Travers as well? Because I've got a quick note here to make sure I mention Travers um, some really really good shot stopping and also probably added on to that, you know, probably some goal-saving shot stopping as well. Uh, he's, he's had a really solid start to the season, hasn't he? Yeah, it's, I think it shows to the defence as well how much more confident they are. And no offence to Jack Bonham or Joe Bertie beforehand, but it's the first time in a long time we've got a goalkeeper who... As soon as, as soon as the opposition pull the trigger from whatever, you don't think, oh, God, that's going to go in. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in that say that just that that goes straight through to the defence as well, don't you? And then they, you know, they look like uh, they're more confident. The one thing we said about him, he can't kick, but at least he can save. Well, um, I mean, typically he's not going to let goals in uh, by kicking I'll the ball. A, so that I'll take a keeper who can save and not kick any day. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, no issues with that at all. So. Um, that leads me nicely into the man of the match poll. If we are, unless you've got any other thoughts on the game. 
Well, I just wanted to quickly, you know, shout out the stats. We said, you know, how dominating we kind of were. Um, we had 19 shots uh, the, the other day. So we had more than Millwall. We had 67% possession to their 33. We had 521 passes to their 258, which is shocking. Um, pass accuracy, 74% to their 56. And we actually had five yellow cards. So when people talk about depth, and I've talked about it in the past around, oh God, how many players do we want for this position, etc. When we're picking up five yellows a game or, you know, however may it may average out to be, it just shows how important a big squad's going to be this season. But um, yeah, like I say, we did everything the other day except for get a ball in the net and get at least a point that we deserved. Yeah, God knows how we got five yellows and they got one. <laughs> but hey-ho. Um, man of the match, like I say, Travers, it led me nicely into it because he is currently leading. Uh, so we're going to leave it open for a new, because it's not been open too long, obviously, when we're recording. I should probably leave it till uh, Tuesday morning, but he's only got 63% of the vote. So I think he's pretty, you know, he's pretty good that he's, um, you know, pretty, pretty good lead. Uh, Berger, Walter Berger, second, 24%, and third is Vinny Gal with just 4% of the vote. So, yeah, if you are listening to this on Monday, get yourself over to our uh, new forum, www.esatw.co.uk. The forum over there, um, and the amount of match polls are on there from now on. So, yeah, get yourself over and do the votes. And just run through some uh, comments we've had through as well, Dan. So uh, this was from Muffiz. Says we're unlucky not to get a point there, as we did play well in the second half. I think once the transfer window closes and we've got a strong squad, the team will finally click uh, by maybe November or so, and will be a hard team to beat. Yeah, agreed, Muffiz. Absolutely. Uh, Liam Burks. So uh, says I'm still feeling positive. We got it wrong in the first half, but I can't remember the last time I saw a Stoke team go to the den and perform like that we did in the second half. Uh, also, as much as the new players are learning about this league, Alex Neal is also learning about the players. Stokey Tom says, I'm looking not to get a point, but I think we should have a lesson now that five at the back has cursed at this club and new players, even with needing to fit in, are better than some players that we had here last season. Uh, Lorenz should be dropped next game, in his opinion. Uh, I think a couple of people would probably agree with you that one. Uh, Gary Wood says, devil's advocate, is it time to take off Josh Time and uh, rose tinted glasses? Obviously, he struggled uh, to recover from obviously injury and again, also very lightweight. I get the stats, but it doesn't translate consistently. I think you've heard us talk about that one uh, or you will talk about that one Gary um, we probably would have to agree with you on that one unfortunately you know like you we do like Josh but I think personally his time could very well be up and uh, we also had a comment through as well which I really really liked uh, it was on our uh, Facebook group so uh, Jake says the thing that quite a few people yet to realise is not just the players that are learning Alex Neal it's, all, it's also Alex Neal as learning the players Tactically, football has massively changed in the last five years, especially with the new way Pep and Klopp have brought their style in, and it shows by the quality of teams in the league this year. It's nice to have a manager who can own up to mistakes instead of making shit excuses. Millwall away is never going to be an easy ride whichever team goes, and especially what happened to them last week. They were bound to put in a big performance. Saying that, their best performance was bang average against us, playing poorly. So that just shows the difference between the teams and considering they finished eighth, we're making a huge progress. Uh, again, Jake, you've kind of reiterated my thoughts and also a couple other people. It is the case that Alex Neal is getting used to his players just as much as they need to get used to the game. So 100%.
So news-wise, um, well, news slash rumours, I guess. Uh, so it's been, a again, lots been going on, I think. More rumours than concrete. Uh, but let's start off with someone we've already mentioned, actually, Dan. Uh, Josh Tymon. Uh It looks like a few clubs are after him. I think Swansea's been mentioned. Leeds has been mentioned. Uh, there's one or two others as well. Again, I think, sadly, like I said earlier, I think Tymon's time is up. Uh, I really liked him again, you know, pre-injury. Uh, we, again, there was so much potential, but Stevens won't, won't obviously be able to make 46 games, so we need a replacement. And you may have alluded to it earlier. Are you that fussed whether Tymon decides to uh, to leave? I mean, Leeds would probably surprise me, if I'm honest. I mean, I would have thought they could have got somebody better, and I'm not trying to be too harsh on Josh, but um, would you be overly surprised to see Josh Tymon go in the next five days? So you're saying that he's going to be Josh time off? Exactly. Oh, yes, Josh time off. Yeah. Do you know before Saturday I would have been surprised to see him go, but I, I think now the manager's trying to get him in there, or at least trying to give him an opportunity to stake a claim, and it's not really worked for him at any point under Alex Neil, and the memories that we have of Josh Tymon and how good he is and what he's what he can do, they're all pre-Alex Neal. So, barring watching a few videos, what what what's the manager got to fall back on on his when he's is forming his opinion of about Josh? So you can understand if Alex Neal's thinking, you know what, I just I can't get the best out of this player. He maybe just needs to move on somewhere else. Um, and like I say, if Leeds are going to come in and they're going to give us decent money for him. Then yeah, he's by all means that that's that's how we unfortunately that's how we've got to operate as a championship club. We don't have parachute payments. You know, we've got out and brought what fifteen players we're about to sign fifteen, aren't we? Who we'll probably get onto in a minute. When you take that into account, and obviously a couple have left, there's going to be probably we probably still have more targets as well. So to do that. You've got to let players go, and unfortunately, if if somebody wants Josh and Josh isn't to the team, it makes sense that he moves on. What's a fair fee? Now, um, two to three million would be fantastic. I think I feel anything anything over one is worth discussing. I would say. Yeah, maybe it's a one, one and a half with salon clause potentially. Um, yeah. But yeah, okay, no, I agree with you. Uh, again, it's a shame to see him go pre Josh time and injury, but I'm not overly surprised or bothered as long as we get a replacement now. It's a shame. But I wonder if you would have thought uh, he should have gone to Rangers when he had the chance. Um, anyway, with, with, half, with half the Stokes squad at that, that time, wow. <laughs> yeah, with Matondo, yeah, okay. like, yeah. like Steamer, uh, Suter, he's up there now as well, and see, he's gone there on loan. Um, uh, Matondo, uh, who's the other ones who are up there? There's, there's loads, isn't there? Obviously, Jack Butland is now up there. You've got, um, oh my goodness, Sterling, who was here last year. <laughs> Stoke City's B team, basically. It's Chico time, or, or quite all depending on the rumours. Uh, maybe it isn't Chico time. So clearly one obvious player that was missing from the bench, Dan, uh, of course, was Chico. Now, there was obviously rumours from the OK and stuff that he had fallen out with Alex Neal, attitude problems, etc. Um, and that, you know, he was going back to Wolves. Now, this was way before the actual, you know, team news came out or anything like that. So it's not like it was... 
announced and then he was like oh okay he's not he's not around so everyone was like okay it's just typical okay being the okay you know nonsense rumors um and then he's not even on the bench so obviously that raises eyebrows and a player who i mean for me i've said a couple of times he's done nothing and he's cameo appearances maybe there's some truth dan in the whole chico going back to wolves from a bad attitude perspective i say he's not really at the heights yet has he and you do wonder with all these other wings that we're bringing in and attacking players we've been linked with that is it is it a move that suited us at the time but doesn't suit nor neither club nor player now that that's what I thought though. I thought that maybe he's turned around to Alex and gone, Look, Alex, you've just signed three more players who can play in my <laughs> position. Oh, what's going on? Wingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Am I here to you know, he's probably promised him to play and uh, and, and all these different things. So as you said, I think it could very well simply be that. It suited us at the time. We had the chance to do it, and it was no guarantees we'd get you know, two or three of these other players we've ended up getting. And we've just, like, I don't know, whether it's forcing his hand to make him want to return. I mean, it's in Wolves' interest as well. Maybe their new manager will want to take a look at him. You never know. Yeah, well, this is it as well, isn't it? Because, and let's not forget, the lad's coming back off 12 months out with an ACL injury. So we know, as good as any team knows, that these injuries, you don't just walk, especially as, a, as a, an attacking player, you know, that's that's all about speed, you know, twisting, turning, uh, power, um, running, you know, it's, it's all sort of explosiveness, isn't it? That's what he's looking for, to, to get the best out of his game. And... You know, we know from obviously with Tyrese, too suited to a lesser extent because he's a different type of player. But how long did it take to Campbell 12 months when he come back to really start feeling into that, you know, getting into the rhythm again and getting the best sort of out of him? And I think it's only going to be now that we're actually going to get there on a consistent basis, which is another, what, seven, eight months later. Whereas... Whereas Chiquino, like I say, at the time, like I say, we brought him and we've had a look at him. As Alex Neal thinking, you know what? He's a bit off the pace, and he's. We haven't got the opportunity. We haven't got the. We haven't got the capabilities to give him the game time to get him back to where he needs to be. So, it's best in your you know, There are plenty of Championship clubs, I'm sure, that would snap their hands off to take him. So go back to Wolves and go, you know, go back out again. They say the Wolves, Wolves manager might say, you know what, we're desperate for players here. FFP's badgering us, you know, we can't bring anybody in. We're selling players. You know, come here, I'll give you some game time and then, you know, try and integrate him back into the first team there. If not, get him out to the championship side. Like I say, I'm sure three quarters of the championship will probably take him. Yeah, one to watch. I think there's a player in there. I think every, I know all the Wolves fans would you know, disappointed to see him go. So he must have something about him. But um, yeah, I'm not bothered because we've got more than enough cover. Uh, Beijing Ho, so is, uh, well, looks like that one's pretty much done, Dan. So fee and per- uh, personal terms have all been agreed. He's arriving uh, today to complete his medical. So uh, should very much be a formality. Now, I'm sure everyone's seen a little bit about this guy, but just as a little bit of background for you. Uh, so he's represented uh, South Korea under 19 level and under 20 level. Uh, he was called up to the under-20 squad initially and having scored basically two goals, then got called up for the first team. And unfortunately, you no know, South Korea were, were knocked out in the semi-final versus
Kyrgyz as Uzbekistan. But, you know, he's, again, he's got some international experience as well. He's a midfielder, has played 32 games and scored five goals uh, for Dejan Sisson last year. So hardly pro- you know, prolific, but uh, still, he seems to be quite pacey, dynamic, you know, Basically everything that we've we've seen in the likes of you know Berger you know for the athleticism and movement and running seems to basically be another one about that. Have you seen much online about this guy, Dan? I imagine you've probably just seen the videos that I've seen uh, about him, really. Yeah, definitely. I think he's um, I think he's got, he's got a, a touch of Bojan about him in how he takes the ball. Oh, don't start. <laughs> just how he. I'm not saying he's going to be you know that that level. <laughs> Um, but it's just how he brings the ball, how he, how he takes it under control. You know his, his mannerisms and and his little, you know, the touch and, and the change of direction and stuff. I think there's, you know, there's similarities there uh, visually, anyway. Yeah, and if he turns into another son, then uh, I'll I'll say that uh, that'd be nice. But again, that opens up the thought process of where does he then fit in? Keep him on the bench and give him again 15 minute 20 minute cameos and just see what he can do and try and play it that way I think he's, he's one of them isn't he? he's, like, he's got to probably earn his way into the side and then it's up to him how he takes his opportunity when he gets it and whether he can sort of say to the manager you know you, you, you've got to start me you can't leave me out I'm, I'm that good that damn good <laughs> um, again that, that's up to him isn't it to, on how he performs and that and obviously what level is that the thing is we've got a lot of young lads coming in I mean Jodjic is 19 and the Bay um, Bay's 19 I believe Bay's is 20 he was he was he basically 20. his birth his birthday about five days ago after so he's just turned 20 um, so there's time on the side as well you know um they can sort of you know take time to, to get to use the English game, bit them in and out. I noticed Jodic uh, played for the under twenty ones. We'll go into more detail on that capitulation on Friday on you know Friday's podcast. But he played for the under twenty ones against Man United and I don't think there's anything wrong with him sort of doing that as well to make you know better he would have got more out of playing that game than he would sat on the bench at Millwall and then not maybe not even being required. Um so yeah, I think it's going to be like I say a bit of time and that when he does get a chance, I think he, he may. I don't know. He, he could take Daniel. He could be rivaling Daniel Johnson in the midfield. We just don't know, do we? I was uh, thinking that. He, or, you know, he could be a sort of a false nine if they take a change in stance and and try and do, build the play more. Um, you know, he could sort of drop in instead of Wesley, uh, or he could you could try and play him from out wide and see how he gets on. I suppose. Is there any such thing as too many options? It just, it just sounds like we've got about 16 different combinations we can play in the midfield. I suppose the, 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 the answer is you can't have too many options, I suppose. Do you know what? We have, we, we've got a lot of options, but when I was putting the team together, I did still struggle to get three attackers, um, sort of wide players and stuff on the pitch without, you know, without, you're trying to, um, you know, sort of without uh, giving my team away, you know, resting Vinigal and stuff. It was like, okay, so who who can we put out there then? <laughs> and, um, yeah. So, yeah, it was a bit of, I think it shows that, you know, a couple of injuries, what you don't want is a couple of injury suspensions and you and you lost all your attacking threat because you've got no options. I think that's the important thing and I think that's what we've got. You can muddle through in other areas in the pitch. I think if you've got no forwards, you can, can't create or finish, then you, you're not going to win games, are you? 
no, no, for sure. And then final one to, to kind of finish off this section, uh, a name that we've talked about several times on this podcast uh, because he was, well, sounding like he was very, very close at one point, but uh, Bayram. Uh, so again, as I said, someone who we've been looking at for a while, centre-back. Uh, there's still rumours have popped back up again about a loan to buy being on the cards, and we've offered £7 million. Uh, obviously, if we want to buy him, of course, whether that's a compulsory buy or an optional buy, you'd imagine it probably might be a compulsory buy. Now, he's got a lot of a lot of capabilities. He's really well thought of. We'll have Bayram. We then have Rose. We've got McNally. We've got Wilmot. Now, that's five to two places. I know we need a backup. I get we need backup. Um, but, you know, Wilmot's probably the one guy you could say is going to start. I think it's very clear that he's definitely the the, the one solid in that defence. Now, Bayram, you would imagine, if we're spending that much money on him, is going to be the number two. What does that do for the likes of Rose and McNally? You know, McNally's not come here, Dan, to, to sit on the bench. And Rose obviously didn't want to do the same. It just seems to me that we've got a lot of potential quality in that centre-back position. And Alex is going to have a real problem keeping them all happy. It's me at the back. Don't you dare. <laughs> I think it's just options again. Again, a couple of couple of injuries and... Um... You know, we we we're sticking out. Uh, you know, you've seen players, aren't we? You know, into their fold, and you know, you were at Notts County. You weren't. You know, David Cagbu didn't not do anything wrong as such, but you definitely saw a difference in quality, didn't you? Between you know the lads who we did have, even Connor Taylor and Cagbu, and obviously Taylor's now left. So, I think you're going to be very lucky to get through a season on three centre backs. Put it that way. Oh yeah, no, no arguments at all on that. I just, I think you just, I don't know. You you anticipate that if you're going to bring in a, a loan player, um, would you bring in two loan players for the for, for a centre back? It's unusual to do that. You'd normally have you know one loan player and then the rest of a permanent signings. I just think it's strange that we that we would do that. But you know what? Yeah, good to have quality numbers in there. We're going to need them 100. percent And again, like we said, the amount of yellow cards that keep getting dished out. Um, it's it's going to happen probably more often than it ever has done. So um, yeah, Rose Rose was injured once for the game of the weekend, and the, he was, the only sense yeah. back on the, on the bench was was the Kangbu. So if Wilmot or McNally had have you know either been sent off or you know gone down injured, then you know what would that would have been the the replacements. Yeah, okay, fair enough then. So one to keep an eye on. We've only got, as I said, five days to do it in, so we better hurry up and get that one sorted. I don't think it's going to be, obviously, in place for um, the the Rotherham game. But even if he signs in a couple of days' time, he's probably not one for the weekend either. So uh, maybe a couple of weeks' time we might see him if he he very much signs on. So that's pretty much it. There has been a couple more uh, kind of rumours. I will not go into them today. We'll talk to them uh, about on Friday's pod. And interestingly, we'll be able to see uh, how close we've got to all these rumours. So any final thoughts before we move on to the Rotherham? I've got one. Any other business? Go for it. Yeah. Uh, so, customer at work, send me this song. Uh, so, I don't know what you feel. You want it echoing around the terraces. What are your thoughts on this one? Vidigal is our Portuguese star, faster than a Mercedes car. When he scores, he breaks their hearts. Vidigal is our Portuguese star. Faster than a Mercedes car When he scores, no need for VAR
Okay, so uh, yeah, if anybody wants to start that uh, that chance, then uh, you've got chance against Rotherham, uh, and yeah, we'll hopefully have it ring around the bet three six five. Although I do quite like the uh, the Vidigal uh, one we did the other week, if I'm honest with you, but that's because I'm boring and can't remember words. Uh, so <laughs> just repeat his name. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get that one wrong, isn't it? I mean, we, we, <laughs> the Stoke fans can barely even remember Delilah, never mind anything else. So yeah, okay, lovely. Well, thank you very much. Uh, let Let's have a look now to obviously the cup game where we hopefully are going to replicate our 4-1 win against Rotherham. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So, Michael, we welcome Rotherham back to the Bet365 again, second time already. We're not even out of August. So, do you want some stats, mate? Yep, crack on. I shall run you through these quickly. So, head to head stats. Uh, played 45 games against them. We've won 18, drew 13, lost 14. At Stoke, we've played 24 times, won 13, drew 3, lost 8. So Alex Neal versus Rotherham. He's won three games against Rotherham, drew four, lost five. Um, The opening day win, actually, was his first time he's won against Rotherham in nine games. Uh, So that's (laughs) quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, we didn't ended that with uh, hoodoo. Uh, Taylor, so Matt Taylor, the Rotherham manager against Stoke. Uh, he's played three times, obviously, last season, this season. Won one, drawn one, lost one. And those three games also are the only meetings between Alex Neal and Matt Taylor in their managerial careers. Um, third time that we've been drawn together in a cup or in the League Cup. So Stoke won in 2008. They won 2-0 at home. And in 1963, we won 3-1 at home on our way to the final. So we actually were runners-up that year. So we'll take Sounds that. Good. We'll take that. <laughs> in 1984, though, we lost over two legs. After losing 2-1 at home, we drew 1-1 um, away at what would have been Millmore, I believe, at the time for Rotherham. Um, so, yeah, we went out on aggregates. So, uh, where are we? A fourth consecutive home win is what we're going for in this game. And it will be the first time since the start of the 2021-22 season uh, when we beat Reading, Forest, Huddersfield in the league, as well as beating Fleetwood and Doncaster in the League Cup. So we actually started that season, which was only two years ago. Um, we started, yeah, with uh, five five consecutive home wins. Seems such a long time ago, that does, doesn't it, Mike? I think it's because our form was so bad uh, at home last year. I think we kind of erased any previous memory of, of positive results at home. Um, so, yeah, I'm surprised. 
Funny you should mention that because a fourth home win of the season would actually take us past halfway of the amount of total home wins last season in all competitions. So we managed oh, a big we managed a big seven home wins in all competitions last year. Um, Rotherham have also started the season with back-to-back uh, away defeats. Uh, obviously, we just said Stoker played 3-1-3 at home. So, yeah, Rotherham just continuing with that sort of bad away form that we uh, sort of mentioned before, didn't we, last time we played them. Um, Stoke have won seven out of the last nine home league cup ties. Uh, the only loss has been to Premier League teams Tottenham and Brentford. The last non-Premier League team to win at the Bet365 Stadium was Swindon in 2012 on penalties. Uh, the, a win... And this is an amazing stat. I didn't realise we'd become so consistent in this competition, Mike. A win would be the 10th out of the last 11 seasons that we've reached round three in the League Cup. Rotherham haven't reached round three since 2008, when they went all the way to round four before losing 2-0 at the Bet365 Stadium to Stoke. <laughs> ah, OK. See, those are the types of stats where we love to... End them. <laughs> we we love we love to end those type of streaks. Normally not for not in a good way. So uh, I, yeah, I can't I can't see that changing if I'm honest. But yeah, the referee Michael Salisbury does he ring a bell to you? He definitely does. Uh, well, it's his first game of the season. First game he's ref this season. He's a uh, he's had a bit of a sabbatical, which we'll get on to later. Last season, he ref 31 games, gave 110 yellows and four red cards. Ref in Stoke, he's played, uh, we've refed us seven times, we've only won once, we've drawn four and lost twice. Only nine yellows, one red, no penalties. Last season, he refed us in the 2-2 home draw with Middlesbrough and the 3-1 away defeat to Sheffield United. So two tough fixtures there. Uh, ref in Rotherham, he's ref them on nine occasions, they've won four, lost four with one draw. Only five yellow cards in nine games for them, no reds, and he's given them one penalty. The last time he refereed Rotherham, though, was a 1-0 away defeat at Brentford in April 2021. So, yeah, quite a while ago, you know, they were getting on for two and a half years since he refereed, um, refereed Rotherham. Now, this guy here, it appears, can't do VAR. And I said to you, didn't I? He's been on a bit of a sabbatical. It's been enforced his break from refereeing. Um, he was, he's was he been dropped slash suspended twice since April for VAR mistakes. So he's been the VAR official when Mitoma for Brighton should have had a penalty against Tottenham. And it was that clear an error that he got... He didn't overturn the decision, didn't send the referee to the screen. And um, as a result, he was taken out of refereeing. Then came the end of the season... Start of this season, um, he was also the VR, VAR official, the Man United Wolves game that failed to spot Onana coming out and clearing out the Wolves player in the last minute. Oh, um, yes. So he was on VAR there as well. So <laughs> so the last two things he's done in football is VAR balls-ups in both matches. And that also, that Onana foul, not giving that, not sending the rest of the screen, also had him taken out of the limelight for a couple of weeks before he now returns to referee this match. So hopefully, fingers crossed, he will be wanting to keep a low profile and will everything will run smoothly. Yeah, I do hope so. I remember, see, I was having a conversation with my dad about this guy. Funny enough, I didn't realise it was him. Um, 
but yeah, we were just talking about it at the weekend and just oh, shocking decisions. Uh, so that's that's great. It's yeah. like, uh, okay, you crap at VAR. Here's your chance to be a referee again. If you can't do this, then you might as well go and work at Sainsbury's. <laughs> and it's like, I, I, I understand refereeing is such a difficult job. And, um, you know, you, you can miss things. The game's so quick as well these days, isn't it? And, you know, the ball flies into the box, the ball bounces around, the keeper wipes somebody out. You just didn't, you know, somebody in your eye line, somebody run across your sight line. Um, you got a bad angle, whatever. These things can happen. Your judgment, even, yeah. These things can happen. But to sit down and watch replays of it and still not come to the conclusion that that was a foul, especially that one, that one's obviously everybody's sort of short term memory, isn't it? You know, it's only the other week. Um, I, I don't get where some of these refs come from. And they don't help themselves, do they? Because it just lends itself. I mean, I remember when VAR come in and everyone thought, oh, it's all right, because it'll, it'll even teams out because the referees who always give the big clubs the, the decisions and stuff, and that won't be a thing anymore because the, the VAR will be there to... And I'm like, well, yeah, well, what seems to happen is it, they, they, just, they just carry on giving the big teams all the decisions, even when it's blatantly obvious on a video in front of them that it should go the other way. Yeah, well, like you said, I think hopefully we just need to make sure that we don't give him any stupid decisions or... You know, close decisions to make. I mean, we we should have enough quality to win this without having to rely on a referee, especially if it's the same type of performance we had against them first game of the season. I mean, don't get me wrong; they seem to have a bit of a backbone against them. I mean, they obviously, you know, they they, they lost two one to to Leicester the other day, but you know, they were one 0 down. They managed to have a bit of fight in them and pulled it back. It was only a late kind of winner from McAteer again. So maybe they've got a little bit more of a backbone and settled in since we last played them, but I'd still hope we've got enough. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, obviously Rotherham coming down, they haven't had a great start to the season. Um, before we kick in with what our thoughts, shall we have a listen to um, Graham McGarry and also Matt, our resident Rotherham supporter? Going through this game, we could all do without, I think, as Rotherham fans. We uh, come off a, a loss to Leicester, but we really pushed them. Uh, really made them think about everything. The issue with the reason we lost the game was because of our depth. Um, we didn't have anybody to bring on. Realistically, after the 70th minute, everybody was really tired because obviously played Leicester without the ball a lot. We really could do with a week's rest. Uh, we don't have a big enough squad to rotate, which means we're probably going to play a similar team. There will always be a couple of changes. But it will be very, 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 very similar uh, to the team that played Leicester which is not ideal where we've got Norwich on Saturday at home, which again is another incredibly tough game. Transfer window is still open, so we may pick up a couple of more bits of business. We're not going to pick up seven or eight players, which is like what we need in terms of depth. Um, it that, that puts us in a position of, well, if we turn up, there's a good chance we'll win because you guys are obviously going to make changes because you have got a bit of depth. So it makes it sort of interesting from that point. Uh, if we win, that's great. Um, if we don't win... It's fine. I think a lot of what Chavis could sort of feel at this stage of the competition. We all want to win games. And I think it might be a good sort of therapy therapy for the players just to get that for the opening day. If we can get some sort of sort of revenge um from the opening day, that might help some of the players mentally. Um but I don't think I don't think there are many Rotherham fans there. there's probably not many Stoke fans there. It's a really it's a really poor cup tie. But it is what it is. We've got we've also got these games to play, and who knows? When one of us could be playing one of the big boys in round three, so that's the that's the prize and offer, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I'm, 
I can't say I'm, I'm filled with excitement looking for this one. Hello there, you Potters predictors. Bad scoreline at the weekend. The team played well, but sometimes you've got to not play well and get the points. Well, we're not playing for points this week at the early stages, or we're playing for progress in the Carabao Cup. Rotherham United, well, you know all about them. You know what to expect, and you know what you'll hopefully want to do, having uh, taken them to the cleaners on the opening day of the season. But the Carabao Cup, the League Cup, always means something special for Stoke City, of course. As we all know, 1972 was a fantastic year. Can Stoke make progress? Well, surely they'll start hot favourites. It doesn't matter who... Alex Neal selects. He's got a big squad of players to choose from now. He hasn't got any excuses that he needs to uh, rest players. He can play who he wants and still pick a strong team for the next league game coming up at the weekend. So to the Cup, Stoke City to go through quite comfortably as well by three goals to one. Thank you, Matt, and thank you, Graham. Uh, yeah, interesting, Mike. We've uh, they didn't seem to be too up for this game, do they? I can't understand why. Rotherham Stoke, Tuesday night. League Cup second round. Yeah, I mean, it's, like he was kind of alluding to there, he's got a chance of being a, a nice distraction, but I mean, naturally, you know what, they played four games in the championship and, and lost them all, have they? Uh, and of course, you know, we've, they've really played us once before we were settled in and comfortably got beat 4 1. <laughs> Yeah, you can't blame them. I mean, you know, if, if you're not if you're not winning games, you're not scoring loads of goals, you know, it's hard to be positive. We've we've been there, haven't we, Christ? We've been there. Uh, so yeah, I think the good the good thing that I think gets us over the line with this, and probably as as he alluded to, you know, he said about plenty of depth, and I think I think that's it. I think we've got a lot of young, hungry players who need to fight for our shirts. It's not like we're just going to be playing under twenty ones. They won't be feeling confident, and I, you can't really blame them either. I think I genuinely think Dan. I think this is going to be a a comfortable game. Yeah, I think one thing just to be careful, I suppose, is he said that you know they haven't got a big squad. They're not going to be able to rotate. Uh, yeah, there'll just be a couple of changes because that's literally all they can do. Yeah, and I think I suppose if we are going to go nine, ten, eleven changes or whatever, then we ju- I think we just have to be careful that we don't bring ourselves by being so disjointed, maybe, and throwing in a lot of new faces as well. That we we aren't sort of playing into their hands of a tightly knit side that know know each other's game. Do you know what I mean? As, as, as maybe as, as technically better or, or as, as we should be or should feel that we should be, are we going to nullify that advantage by making too many changes coming up a side that are going to make very few? I'm going to be honest, I don't think we're going to make anywhere near as many changes as some people think. I really don't. I think there'll be a couple in particular um, that will change, but <clears> I'm going to we're talking two or three. So when we come to team predictions, I'll I'll, I'll let you know. But yeah, I d- don't expect 11 changes. I think we'll have more than enough spine to keep some consistency in this team. Yeah. I think um, the, 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 the positive start at home certainly made for you know, giving Alex Neal a bit of uh, wiggle room in front of the fans, Anthony, now a bit of breathing space, if you like, than if we got off to a bad start. And for me, I mean... Um, I'll sort of get into what I, my team if you like so I'm sticking Travers in goal keeping Travers uh, keeping Hoover at right back I think he's he's had a ropey couple of games and I think the manager needs he's a young player he has now got competition hasn't he in the recent that and I think the manager needs to 
keep him in there just to give him that extra game. Say, you know, just work your way through it. It's easy to take him out. Lloris comes in or whatever, has a blind, and then all of a sudden he's really under pressure. He probably, you know, he's a young player. He probably doesn't need that right now. He needs to stick him in the team and say, you know, work through. You're having a bad, you've had a bad couple of games. Keep working, get your form back. And then, you know, you've got another game on Saturday. Keep, you know, let's just keep going, keep going. Um, similar thing, but obviously not. He's not been played as much as Josh Time, and I'm going to put him in a left back. Um, again, he's another one just just needs to find his form. I'd like that. I sort of mentioned earlier on, you know, if the right big comes in, I can see him leaving. He's yet to hit the heights under Alex Neil. I think Alex Neil probably knows there's a player in there and probably want to give him a shake and say, "Go on, show show me, show me what you've got. Come on, good. I want to see." But I think this is a perfect game. Give Josh the left back role. Get him sifting bomb forward and you know play to his strengths if you like. Um, Will Mott and Rose in the middle, both you know Rose pretty good in the air, pretty decent in the air. Will Mott is you know, Will Mott Ben Will Mott, isn't he? Um, I think it's a partnership. Start worked well on the first day. Uh, definitely you know, keep keep it in. I think it's uh, reunited for this match only. If Rose isn't available, if he's still injured, then we just bring McNally in. Quite simple. Um, Ben Pearson, I'm going to return him to the midfield. He's going to be at the base. I think he came on and he did a good job. He only played 45 minutes at the weekend. So for me, there shouldn't be no problem getting him in. Stick him in the in the heart of that midfield, right in front of you, know, protecting the defence, and just um, let him get let him put another good performance in like he did on the first day. And then that position then 100 percent nail back down and he, we can move on um with, with Pearson back. You know, solidly in the side. Berger gets a full debut for me. Think he did enough. And um, going to rest Daniel Johnson's legs and leave Josh Loren in the midfield. Similar to Hoiver. He's probably had a bad couple of games. For me, I think that's all it is. You know, um, I like Josh Loren. I think he had a great end to last season. And, you know, he was being lauded by Stoke fans all over. Um, you know, how much he was loved in that. And I think, for me, people just need to recognise... And maybe realise that just because we've got all these, you know, players coming in with exotic names from all over the world, and and it's all fresh and it's new, you don't have to just discard your Josh Lorenz from the team just because you know they have a couple of bad games. That's you know that's unfair. These these are championship players. They're not you're not going to be they're not going to get the eight nine out of ten out of them every single week, are you? Because if you were, they wouldn't be playing in this division. Um, they've had a couple of steady games. Again, change of formation hasn't probably hasn't helped. Um, you know, he's played he's played well in a four three three, and they've gone to five at the back. He's not played as well. And if we're going to play four three three, Josh Lloren definitely deserves keep his place here, and he deserves the opportunity to nail it back down and show people what he's got still. Front three: Wesley, target man, get the ball up there again. I'm going to leave him in the team. Focal point: people can work off him. Ryan May. He's going to be on the left-hand side and I'm going to get Larice on the right-hand side and they can just buzz in and around Wesley. Uh, Vidigal gets a bit of a break. I think he took a knock towards the end at Millwall and also he's played quite a bit, you know. Um, but yeah, he can uh, sit on the bench. I'm not going to risk Ty from the start. I think he had 45 minutes on Saturday. Um, I want to make sure he's available for press on the weekend. So don't think 90 minutes or start two would be the greatest thing, you know, three games in a week when he's been out injured. I'm quite happy to bring you know, Vidigal Campbell on if needed. Uh, I'd like to see Jodic on the bench. Got you know Nally, Bonham, Stevens, Thompson, Gale, 
and then Daniel Johnson. Okay. Um, mine was starting out similar to yours, and it's gone a bit left field. Um, so yeah, Travers definitely. I don't want to see. I don't want to see Bonham in this team um, anymore. So Travers in goal. Now this is where we change a little bit. You said about dropping um, Henry. I'm dropping Henry. Uh, I'm going to have Larice coming in. Uh, I think he obviously is, was for me trying him out in that more defensive position. But while we say defensive, the way that we're going to play against Rotherham, or you know the the time and the possession, I don't think he'll be really having to do that many defensive duties. So I'd say Larice will be playing in uh, Henry's position. We've got McNally and Wilmot at centre back. And similar to you, actually, for this one, so Josh Tymon comes in, um, I think more to just rest Stevens more than anything else. I think he's played a, a lot of minutes. Um, so I think Tymon will come over him. And then again, similar midfield, Pearson and Loren, for the same reason about Loren as you, actually. So I think those will be the, the two main kind of midfielders. And in front of them is Berger uh, replacing Daniel Johnson. I want to see him there. And I'm going to go for a, a very fluid type of, uh, of strike force, actually. Now, this is where we do probably differ a little bit. So I'm going to go for Mai. Uh, instead of Wesley. I think we're going to be very much on the deck. I don't think we need to be overly physical with this one. I'm going to put Vidigal on the left and Tyrese Campbell on the right. I think those two on either side will be the staple going forward this 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 window and this, this whole season. But I want to see Tyrese on the right. I think being able to cut in from the right and bend it into the corner and, and whatnot will be great. Vidigal has got a hell of a right foot on him, so he needs to stay on the left. So I think it'd be Mai, Campbell and Vidigal up front. And that is pretty much my team. I can't give you a bench. I mean, the obvious ones are going to be on there, really. I guess your, your Gales, your Bonhams, uh, Wesley will be on there in case we do need to go more physical. Uh, Joyich, yeah, I, I can I can see him being on, on the bench as well. Yeah, so the, the only omission that I would that I tried to get him, but I couldn't really see where, was the Sidibe. I wanted to try and get him sort of on the bench, but um, unless unless Georgic isn't there, and I've got Vidigal Campbell and Gale, so he's got Johnson. But yeah, um, yes, thank you for that team, mate. Um, now, what do you think, What where are we going to win this game then, Mike? Uh, we're going to win it on the flanks, 100%. I think it's going to be down to the pace. Uh, so it's, I'm going to go for a replication, a 4-1 win again. Um, I think we're going to plough the goals in. I don't think it's going to be actually as simple as the first game, uh, but I do think we're just going to have a bit of a spell where we'll score two or three goals within a short period of time, maybe go 3-0 up, they'll pull one back to 3-1, and then we'll kind of you know, final nail in the coffin towards the end of the game for four. So I'm I'm feeling a, a high scoring game again. Yeah, I think it's similar to you there. I think if we can get uh, Hoover and Timon in in, in in obviously our squads getting up there and supporting sort of Larice May, even giving them the opportunity to tuck in and support Wesley in the middle, Jeremy. If if the if the fullbacks are getting up are getting forward and then um, you say Larissa May, they haven't got to be as wide, they can sort of Tuck in and um, maybe create more, you know, get into more goal scoring opportunities themselves. Uh, Lewis's game seems to be more attrition, doesn't it? And and pressing and also sort of delivering for others. So he may, you know, work well with Hoiver, um, Hoiver, you know, overlapping runs, you know, making, giving Lewis that half a yard needed to, to bend across in or something. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they two link up. Um, 
Yeah, I, I fancy in three-one personally. I, bet, I think Ryan May, he uh, he's going to grab his, his goal. And Wesley will probably get one, and then you're uh, probably a steamer from Jostler and just to silence a few doubters. Uh, one thing I will say though, I watched Rotherham's um, at the weekend, and I know I noticed that the first goal they conceded was a crossfield ball from the uh, left wing that went right over their left-back's head straight to an unmarked right-back slash right-winger. Um, it was inside, alone inside the penalty box who could just uh, get down and score. And I thought, oh, that's uh, that, that opening goal's a bit similar to another opening goal that we've seen rather than concede this season. So, uh, yeah, that definitely seems to be a weakness, doesn't it? Something they haven't sort of learned from. Obviously, so again, if uh, Oliver can get forward, or even Larice, you know, get into them kind of spaces, I'm sure Alex Neal's, you know, he's a man who gets right into the nitty gritty, doesn't he, when he's doing his his tactics and stuff and his his work on the opposition. I'm sure he's well, you know, well aware of that kind of um, threat that we can pose and weakness in the Rotherham defence. Um, down the other end, though, I did notice. Obviously, they scored against us from a corner, didn't they? They had one goal disallowed from a corner uh, for a slight shove by somebody. I don't think he was the one who put the ball in the net either. Uh, and then the goal that they did score was a header from a free kick on the wing. So it definitely seems, you know, what we need to do, we need to keep the ball. We need to keep the ball. Not, maybe be a bit patient as supporters as well. Don't feel like we've got to rush everything because if we've got the ball, we aren't going to be giving away corners and free kicks, are we? And that's going to be key, really, I think. Yeah, they could out-muscle us. I mean, we've seen our our set pieces of late. We don't really want to give them many reasons. I mean, when they when they scored their goal against us, what was it? It was a corner. So, yeah. um, I mean, they've they really proven that they've they've got it physically. I think, is it Oyedima, is it? I can't, might pronounce that completely wrong. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he looks a bit of a handful uh, as well. He seems to score, I think, plenty of their goals. So we need, we need to be careful. Yeah, let's not give any stupid set pieces away. Let's make sure that we're just not giving these half chances because knowing our defence right now, and if we are making multiple changes, the players might be a little bit more uncertain. We don't need to invite that type of pressure. So you're right. Let's keep possession, which we seem to definitely do. And what was it? Double the amount of uh, passes that Millwall got the weekend. So, you know, we're, let's just keep playing our game. And as I said, 4-3-3, please, Alex. Yes, 4-3-3. Um, anything else you want to add? Um... I'm watching it in a box for the first time. That's oh, nice. Very nice. <laughs> very nice. Very, very yeah. Posh. Yeah, very, um, very posh. Um, my, my son uh, doesn't deserve it. Can I just point this out? Because he's this is his first year that he's had a season ticket. Now, I've never been in a box once in my life, I'm going to be honest, right? So he has to suffer. He has to see us lose cold winter nights, raining, snowing before he gets anything like this. So he should, he doesn't appreciate how lucky he is, actually. So, uh, yeah. I'll make him suffer after this. Don't you worry. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to end this. Right. I've got. A, I've got. A who am I? So that's our sort of Monday quiz kind of thing, isn't it? Uh, okay. So I've got my name, but first of all, we're going to do on this day. So two stats for you on this day. So the game, obviously Tuesday, we've got uh, Stoke City's first ever game was played on this day, 1925. Uh, it was a three-nil win versus Stockport. Before that, we were known as just Stoke. 
So what a stat that is. What a big game. Uh, obviously, Stoke-on-Trent Stoke became a city in 1928 as well, which incidentally, how were we then Stoke City before Stoke-on-Trent was actually a city? I do not know this. <laughs> uh, but yes, 1925, first ever game as Stoke City. Also, 1981 uh, was the on this day the first ever time that we played with a shirt sponsor. It was Rico, and it was a 1-0 away win at Arsenal. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Um, so, yes, quickly, who am I to end this run, this pod off, mate? Number Daniel one. Boston. Did I get it right? Number one. Quiz number one. So, you got to get six points if you get it on this one. I was born in Efok, Cameroon, in October 1982. Oh, oh, it's niggling. Uh... Oh, come on. Oh, no, go on. Okay, I played 45 games for Stoke between 2006 and 2009, scoring four goals. Oh, this is going to bug me. Cameroon, Cameroon. Might be a red herring in here somewhere as well, just to throw you off the scent. Might not be what he seems. But yeah, oh, right, okay. I played 45 games for Stoke, 2006 to 2009, scoring four times. Go on, I can't, I can't tell you, sorry. My last goal in the league was actually October 2006, a winner versus Sunderland at home. So we only scored four goals between 2006 and 2009. The last league goal, there was in October 2006, only three months after he signed. A winner versus Sunderland at home. No? Uh... Oh, for God's sake. So the only person that came to mind was uh, Maxim promoting, but that's, that's far too recent, I think. Um, Six we are here. Yeah. Oh, this is really bugging me, though, because from the first one, I was like, oh, Cameroon, I know this. Oh, for God's sake, hold on. Can you not give me any tips in terms of where he plays? Has <laughs> it got to be really, really uh, you get that one. You get that one on a later clue. I give oh. you this position. Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh no, 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 I'm gone. He's got, oh, I know who it is. Yeah, it's come back to me. It's got to be Vincent Pericard, hasn't it? You, you cheated. How do you know that? How have you got that from that? But no, it's, it, no, it was Vincent Pericard. I was thinking uh, basically midfield from the very, very beginning. And I was like, <laughs> no, because I was getting him mixed up with Salif Diaw, who is not Cameroon. He's Senegalese. So, yeah, okay. And the goal scoring, it was the goal scoring one. So, mate, yeah, Vincent Pericard. Yes. So, the other clues were uh, during my time at Stoke, I had loan spells at Southampton and Millwall before leaving the club for Carlisle. Uh, you probably would have got it on number five, which was I was sentenced to four months in prison in August 07 <laughs> for perverting the course of justice. And uh, number <laughs> yeah. six, uh, the sixth and final clue, I was part of a trio of strikers in 2006-07 with Ricardo Fowler and Mabadi Sadibi, what was mainly the third wheel in those strike forces. Yeah, I remember when Pericard came, well, it was bigged up as this big next thing. Well, not, uh, he, he was only a young lad when we had him, really. Yeah. But everyone was raving about him. What was it? What was his claim to fame again? He was, oh, he played for Juventus, was he? He played for Juventus before he uh, joined Stoke, didn't he? Mm, yeah, that doesn't always work out so well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad with that. So I've got that on the third or the fourth one, sorry. Third one. Well done. Oh, take it. Yes. 
Hey, I like that. Well, that sort of wraps that up then. So, congratulations. Well done. Uh, Round three, here we come. (laughs) Yeah, like I said, I I think we're in for a a comfortable win. Um, But are you going going the game on Tuesday? I am indeed. Well, I want to I want to hear that new uh, that new song we heard earlier on. I want you to be shouting that as loud as you can uh, from the booth, and and for how many fans will be there? I'm sure they'll hear you. Do you, do do you, want, do you want to give us a rendition? Because fast as a Mercedes. You, yes, you, me, you do not want me to sing that song um, live here. You you will lose a lot. <laughs> well, I think you'll find that you actually did sing it for me earlier on. It was obviously cut out of the pod. Um, which I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put it in. I'm gonna save your blushes. It might make a a future you know, a bloopers. <laughs> bloop, bloopers real, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> right. Well, we shall say for now. Ciao, ciao, bye, bye. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.